0: hello there and welcome to the get french football news preview show i'm nathan staples and joining me this evening is jeremy smith before we start the show this evening all of us at the get F- new football news family send all our thoughts to the friends and family of the missing former nought striker emiliano Sala. Uh, there were some beautiful displays in the city this week in his honor and the pleasure he brought to our audience will definitely not be forgotten and I know just that you wanted some some thoughts and some memories that we have of him in in Liga because I always thought that personally while I always said that Emiliano Sala always reminded me a little bit of of Bambi on ice I thought also at the same time he reminded how much hard work it is to be a footballer and how much th- that there's so many players that aren't necessarily fully naturally talented but when they put the work rate it and they keep working at their craft they could they can really become something special.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably a very good description of him and probably one that, that he would sort of fully, fully agree with, to be fair as well. And I think it was probably only last week that the two of us and Adam were talking about his move to, to Cardiff. And, um, you know, to be completely frank, we disagreed slightly. I know Adam's a big fan of him as a footballer. I'm, I was never 100% sure about um, necessarily the, the, the quality or whether he would have made it as a... As a sort of clinical Premier League striker, but what's definitely not in dispute is is sort of the heart that he always showed, the fight that he always showed, and you know by by all accounts, and you know, it's been coming out very clearly here uh, in the last couple of days, and certainly when you saw, um, for example, the non-coachmate coach um sort of tearful tribute to him today, that he's just a, a universally loved player, and. Yeah, you know, in the past I've criticised players like Cavani or Rui Nistelrooy in England for the fact that um, you know, they celebrate every single goal as if it's you know, as if they've just scored the winner in the World Cup, even if it's you know, putting icing on some kind of 6 0 win against some kind of a minnow in the cup or something like that. And you know, for players like that, I do think sometimes it gets a bit silly, but that. You know, it might be completely hypocritical of me, but that was one thing I loved about Salah. Every goal he scored, he he enjoyed, you know, whether it was a a meaningless tap-in or or a match-winning thunderbolt. And, uh, yeah, he just, I think he'll he'll be missed, obviously. You know, he'll clearly be missed by Nantes um, in in a different kind of way. He'll be missed by by Cardiff fans, and I think they've been fantastic because it's a pretty weird situation for them and sort of saying goodbye to to a, a player who never actually who belongs to them but never actually played for them. Um but you know the way that the whole footballing community has come together really shows how loved he was and you look at his footballing trajectory he was he was brave enough to to leave home very young to, to try to chase his dreams and had a few knockbacks. He he came to France um completely alone, didn't know anyone in the country, didn't speak the language um got into the Bordeaux squad, but then, you know, took a couple of hits and had to go down to the National and to Lugder, you know, he's really worked his way up and it's just tragic that when he get, finally gets his big break in the Premier League, that, that you know, it's taken away from him.
0: Absolutely. had yeah. those spells in Le 2 and, and at Colne from memory as well. And and, and like you say, the, the sort of outpouring from the the likes of Ranieri what, in his press conference with Fulham and the photos beforehand with all his teammates as well. You can see the the appreciation that he had. And that fantastic story on that. I think I've only really seen it on our on our website with uh, Valentin Varda and and his father, who they stayed with when he was doing his education at, at Bordeaux, and how um, popular he became there, and how. Proud the the uh, the team were, were there of his improvement as he was going through not through the sort of non movement and even at home because he never really they never really felt like he'd given the chance at Bordeaux but um, a tremendous loss in it at that point early today where they have sort of made the incredibly incredibly tough decision to sort of call off the search they they've done all they can and the, the slight hope remains but our thoughts are, are with everyone um, about Emiliano Salah he will truly be missed Um we'll head on to the Latest headlines now for you. In Liga, uh, Nîmes bounced back from defeat in their rescheduled midweek fixture against Angers, winning 3 1. Clement Depre scored uh, twice for Le Crocodile as they moved back into um, ninth position, while their opponents remain in 15th. The French Cup continued as well from Tuesday, and the big shock came as Mets beat Monaco 3 1, which has spelled the end of Thierry Henry's spell in charge. Reports are believed that Leonardo Jardim is in Monaco at the moment and could be retaking the reins. Elsewhere, Toulouse needed penalties to overcome Reims. Lille and Gangub both squeezed through on Tuesday, as well as Léon Ducher and Villefranche Belge. Beaujolais, uh, I'll make sure I get these team names right. Uh, kept their. Fairy- <laughs> uh, drinking too much, Beaujolais. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 their fairy tales alive. On Wednesday, Virey Chatillon uh, came back down to earth with a thump, really, as Cole won 6 0. Uh, Dijon won a real barnstormer against Saint Etienne, 6 3, while holders Paris Saint Germain overcame Strasbourg 2 0. In the later game this evening, that has only really just finished, Lyon have dispatched with Amiens 2-0. While the other qualifiers are include Rennes, Orléans, Croix, Bastia, and Vita. And there has been a draw as well that's happened just before that game kicked off earlier this evening. With the big sort of standout fixture being Villefranche, but the the, the team that I don't want to pronounce again um, hosting Paris Saint Germain, which will be a terrific game for them. Uh, In transfer news, Mario Balotelli has also completed his move from Nice to Marseille. The contract will run until the end of the season. And that's all for now. But for all the latest in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We'll start tonight, really. There's only one place to start, Jez, with the big news. We, we, and it's sort of interlinked with the, the midweek fixtures because that was Thierry Henry's final game in charge of Monaco and something we'd speculated a little while. But focusing on the game first before we come on to sort of the news on Henry, it was your side that um, dealt the final killer blow. and it can't be said that they were trying a weakened team in a cup game to try and get past. Because looking at the squad, it was all first team regulars. Really, it's it, it only gone out to win this match, but losing in this kind of manner, even to a team that like Mets who are doing really well in in league during the season, it, it feels like the fi- It feels like it was the right kind of final body blow.
1: I think so. Yeah, it's a bit like the Strasbourg match the other day, in that you know possibly this door didn't. Of Entirely reflect um, the performance, I mean, certainly in the first half, Monaco had most of the play, and actually it was Messis for the most part second team rather than, than Monaco. So you know it should have been an even bigger advantage for the for the Ligati. Um, So you know possibly, I mean, I, I personally still think it's it's a very premature decision, but yeah, when your first team is losing at home to um to a a league teams mostly reserve team and and things aren't right and uh, maybe you could say that it sort of summed up parts of Ronnie's tenure in that you know mess uh, you know i can say it as a fan of theirs although they're top of the belt for a lot of the season they've not been playing good football they've just been solid and hard to beat and when you've got um you know when you're beaten to three goals two of them are sort of you know brilliant first time shot since the top corner and the other one is a, is a really intricate team move that I don't think unless have come out with since like 1998 then you know everything seems to be going against them at the um, and on the other side I suppose now they've, they've, they've got their 2011 semi-final and, and now they can, they can really focus on on league and survival as well but um, yeah I would uh, I think it's a really sad end for, for Thierry. Henry there's no doubt that you can put some of the problems down to him, but I'm not sure. I still think he was still not a tough hand because you know he, he chose to take the job, but he did not take an easy job on. Um, and it's you know, Leonardo Jardim gave an, gave an interview to Lecky this week in, in which he he said, you know, eight matches into the season, I felt there's no doubt there's while, while he was still manager, he said he definitely couldn't see them finishing in the top three. And he looked at his squad and felt he had a squad that was going to be lucky to, to survive. Um, up till now, Ori is think, 20 matches in, but for the most part, he's been playing with that same squad. And even with players like Naldo and Fabregas that he's brought in, effectively, Naldo's only really played one one match. Um, there was one match he wasn't able to play. There was another... The one against Strasbourg, he was entirely wrongly sent off after six minutes. Um, Fabregas obviously is going to take a while to get into the swing of things as well. So I feel like it's not entirely fair that Oli hasn't been given a chance with this better squad that they're hopefully building this month. But, you know, obviously on the other side, I don't know why I keep saying, you know, on the other side of it, you have to, if they give him too long, too much of a chance, and he doesn't turn things around. Then by then they could already be cut adrift. But the, if they beat, they've got Dijon coming up this weekend. If they were to win that, they'd be out of the relegation zone. So, so it, it does feel like only oh, hasn't been given the chance, and I think that he's got. We know that he's always had a, a sort of a big ego on him, and that that was always going to be the question mark, and there have been. Various incidents where you feel like he's not really sort of braiding it in. Um, he's making it not necessarily more about him, but a, cu- a couple of times it seems like he's hung his players out to dry. But it is a learning curve for him. And Monaco took the call to, to bring him in in his first role. I think they actually owed it a little bit more to him to, to show a little bit, little bit more patience. And I just think the whole situation is very messy. And if as the rumours are, um, are true and Jardim comes back, I think that's a big risk on all parts as well because he, he it wasn't unreasonable that he left. It was it was arguable that whether they should have been more loyal, but the fact was that he had started the season badly and by all accounts it really was a mutual decision. He'd lost motivation, he was tired and he wanted a break. I'm not sure that coming back to the same team three months later is the most sensible decision. And even if he keeps them up, um I, st- I still feel like it's 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 not the greatest of steps, and I don't think any party in this has covered themselves in glory. Hmm.
0: Yeah, it becomes even, plot sort of thickens, doesn't it, with Jardim sort of hanging over it. But I, I feel like this, this sort of sacking decision is sort of on three fronts, I think. I think the first one is that I think they've done it now because... They felt like they've probably made a mistake in the first place, and honestly, it, it was a considerable risk to bring him in. I think the fact that that they brought Frank Passi in, pretty similar, but sort of, it's 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 sort of reported that it wasn't necessarily run by Thierry Henry beforehand, but uh, it, it felt like a move that was undermining his authority at least. Anyway, thinking that they needed an extra little bit of of uh, league experience and managerial experience underneath him, and not while. He was initially appointed and then the second factor is is quite similar sort of manchester united really before sacking mourinho at the time they did before december there's a run of winnable games that if they get the momentum going under a new manager or in this case potentially an old manager that it it feels like the right time to take a risk because if if Thierry henry does lose the next game it's dijon and they've got a, a couple of winnable games sooner after that as well if they end up losing those kind of games not only do they get cut adrift because they've given away points to teams against them, they then have a tough run of fixtures to even catch up that that deficit as well. So it feels like those two are the mo- main ones. But the, th- the third one, and the interesting one I wanted to talk to you about, Jez, really, is, is linked to really... The reason why I think they've probably made this move immediately as well is there was obviously a, a sort of um, a talk with with Thierry Henry I, I saw on our website earlier today about um, him moving a lot of the first, some of the first team players out of the squad and saying they weren't coming we back. We're, we're cutting, trimming the, trimming the squad a little bit because some people are, are thinking about their own futures and not the clubs. <sighs> Does it feel like that alienation of some of the senior players who've probably gone over his head after that moment as well has sort of been the final final sort of nail there with the results obviously going there against their way as well? And then he's also eliminating part of the senior players, some senior players in the squads, and we don't know names yet at least anyway. But do you feel like that might have been the last sort of nail for him saying that he, that he was starting to lose control of the team?
1: Um, I think, I suppose with hindsight, now that he's gone, sort of putting two and two together, that's what you'd assume has happened. But again, I, to me, Monaco have been awful this season, and for the most part, you can't really blame, first of all, you have to blame the, uh, the recruiters or the decisions that were made in the background, getting rid of a lot of very decent players and replacing them with a load of kids. But it's been for the most part, the experienced players who really haven't turned up and have been, you know, at best, poor, at worst, shameful. So if Ari has decided to make that decision and assuming that it is seat those senior players that have been um, excluded, then I think he's probably right to do that. And I understand that those with, if that's the case, those with more influence are likely to go over his head and, um, a lot of them will have a lot of influence and, and possibly, yeah, had a, had a big say in him leaving. But I'm not sure that's a good way to be either. If you're letting your, again, this isn't speculation, but if you're being dictated to by the players who are playing poorly and putting your team in a bad position in the first place, then I think you're on a hiding to nothing. Um, I'd I'd like to think Falcao isn't one of them because he's been out for a long time and he's come back and I think since he's come back he's he's looked sharp and he's looked like he he is really making an effort but take I don't know, who no one really understands what exactly his injury was or wasn't that's kept him out until now, you've got Jemison and Glick who've been diabolical for the most part Um, (laughs) I don't it would have been fascinating to have at least kept Henri on until the weekend as a neutral just to see which players it is who've been who've been excluded because that would maybe tell us a little bit more about about what's going on behind the scenes and um, yeah I mean you know despite everything despite the big name and the great player that he was I suppose the bottom line is that he is a very inexperienced coach and. Um, despite the, you know, probably the huge salaries that he's on as a coach, I guess he doesn't have much clout at the moment and possibly he found out the hard way. But again, in that sense, i for sorry for him because I think that was probably the right step and the strong step. Um, and I would have liked to have seen how, how that would have turned out for him.
0: Mm, absolutely. But the, the strange thing, and many people will make the comparisons for the, for- until the dawn of time is the the frightening similarities between this uh, and gary neville really the fact that both of them went into international sort of coaching first as, as sort of underlings and then went straight into a job at a big club struggling and maybe they thought they could do if they could do a, a, a turn them round, then all of a sudden they're in a big job with potentially champions League qualification immediately and it's both gone sort of belly up pretty quickly and uh, both back, probably onto on our TVs relatively soon, at least. Let- let's talk about uh, very quickly, Jez, about any other games that caught your eye on the French Cup this week. There's obviously the massive game between Dijon and Saint Etienne that. Essentially, became a shootout. Really, uh, Paris Saint Germain going through a couple of little upsets here and there. They're not, not, not as many as they had been in the in the previous round, at least anyway. But this is really where they sort of start sorting out the teams in this cup competition. And, and we've we've maybe even looking at the the ties in the next round. There's a couple of um, national sides facing each other, which is nice. Uh, Vitra and uh, Leon Ducher have have drawn each other at least, but a lot of the rest of the draw looks like a league and dominated and. Uh, um, could be starting to move into that sort of direction.
1: Yeah, I mean, as, as, you, as you get further on, there's always going to be uh, more of a, a leaning, I guess, to, towards League 1 clubs. But at the same time, as, as we've had the last couple of years, there's also hopefully enough lower, league, lower division clubs there that they'll still get a little bit further and we can keep the, the magic going a bit longer. And you know, Obviously, the, the France brausolet have got a, a dream tie um, Again, being parochial, even Mess Orleans guarantees that there's going to be at least one lower division team in the quarterfinals, which certainly from a Mess point of view is hopefully a good thing. Um, and then there are some juicy ties like, like Ren and Lille, which which should be a great tie between two two informed teams who who may be looking at you know, a genuine chance of, of, of winning the cup this year in a one-off match at their best. I think the way they're playing this year, they, they, they do have the beating of anyone. So PSG had a bit of an off day. But um, yeah, I think it's, overall, I think it's been a really good a good round. As you said, maybe not as many upsets as we'd have liked, but there's been a couple of you know, very high-scoring thrillers between league-out between teams. Um, there have been a couple of shots. I mean, you know, going down 3-0 to a, to a fourth tier. Today is, is is quite a shocker. So I still think this been a nice balance, and I still think overall, uh, it's it's right now. I think it's a much more interesting and exciting cup competition than than the FA
0: Cup that everyone adores. <laughs> And yeah, it's, it's always interesting as well. The, the one match um, f- I'll be watching is this, the strange one between Bastia and Com, which would have been a Liga 1 game a couple of years ago. And now it's a Liga side versus a National 3 side. So it shows you the difference of, of what's happened. But great to see them going far. And I'm pretty sure Com won't be I'm really rejoicing that they're going to have to go to, to mm-hmm. Corsica in that one either. Um, I'm going to mention the game that happened in Ligue 1 this midweek. Obviously, we're still catching up on some of the games suspended on the Gilets Jaunes process, obviously with the, the Cup games. It's only one this midweek and it was uh, Nîmes versus Angers. And a pretty good game, to be fair. I, I'm, again, Nîmes are doing the same as they have done all season, which is impressive with their attacking football. I thought Tioub was excellent and he showed that in that first goal where he, he mazes between three players and then Lays it off for Dupre to score. Uh, uh, and Neem just proving that, that playing attacking football coming from from lower leagues are, are doing the right results again. But uh, I don't know about you, Jess, but we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago that we've, or oh, in fact, last week's preview show, didn't we? That, that R&J were the sort of draw specialists and but we predicted them to, to beat Nolte and they did, but at the same time they stayed exactly where they were and they've gone back to the drawing board having lost to to Neem. and might be still uh, still wanting to Sort of pull away because they're still not quite there. They're in that sort of 23 mark which gives them that safety above the the five below them that are still really struggling for points but you'd think maybe with Monaco with a new manager bounce and or if other results go different ways then then they might be dragged into it but uh, excellent from Neem again to to get a nice win there. Let's go on to our previews then and we'll start with the big one that's coming on, on Friday night and big for both clubs really because Marseille host Lille and Marseille sort of got kind of out of a funk, can we say really, Jez? All, in, in, at the weekend, they, they managed to sneak out of Corn with a, a 1-0 win, although... God, didn't really put much up of a fight really but that's uh, their own problems that we'll talk about a little bit later but if anything Marseille fans and especially uh, Garcia as well would just be glad to be out of a funk out of the chance and then with a with a possibility going home to the Velodrome it's a tough t- side to, to try and have a little bit of confidence heading into that where they need to start clawing back points
1: yeah I think that's that's absolutely right it wasn't the most impressive win it was you um, Sketchy. One nil away from home, they rode their luck a little bit. But when you're on a bad run, I don't think it matters how you get how you get that win. And we said it so many times before in that atmosphere, certainly at the Velodrome, but at Marseille in general, every, the stakes seem higher week in week out. And um, you know, certain other teams could go on a three four game blip without a win and there wouldn't be so much pressure on but when it happens at Marseille it's a massive full-blown crisis so I just think that the most important thing for them was to get the win Um I think that that Samson getting the goal is a bit of a bonus because I, I think he's had a couple of off matches recently as well so it's nice to see him sort of getting a bit of a boost of confidence and now we'd hope that that Marseille would push on for that from that um, the last match at home Um, against uh, Monaco was a really bad atmosphere, I think that was a match where the Marseille fans sort of started supporting Monaco and Olay and all the Monaco passes halfway through so um, it takes a lot to to turn the Marseille fans back around Um, you'd hope that off the back of the win the support will be there a little bit more and um, maybe push them on but that's the thing as i said before it's such a knife edge there that um they need they need to sort of continue this form and, and you know come off that other win and, and build from it and um, if they if they lose on from at the weekend then they're back to back to square one and that was almost to nothing
0: Absolutely. And they, they come against, like I say, with, with them building some confidence back in that result, you'd think that it'd be quite nice for them to have another couple of games to sort of ready themselves for a, a trip to a, a game against someone like like Leo. But unfortunately, that's their, their next game, who, wouldn't they? The last four games in all competitions, two obviously in the, the French Cup, but nice wins having to come from behind against Amiens and and they were pretty comfortable against Con the week before. They've maintained that bit of form, but this is the sort of first test after the, the winter break and they've got some excellent players. And, and, and one I wanted to highlight, and I mentioned him a, f- a few times already, he scored, um, in, I think he scored in both the games they've had recently back, and that's uh, Rafael Liao, um, the centre forward that they've uh, originally bought from from Sporting Lisbon but I know there was sort of a bit of a disagreement with the, the contract scenarios that were happening over at the club that are um, happening at the moment still really with some of the legal um, obligations for it but he scored in, in both those games and I think finally, what the good thing about this is—I uh, don't know your feelings on this one, Jess, but it, it feels like we had that front three, didn't we? Uh, of, of Nicolas Pepe, we had uh, Jonathan Nicone and Jonathan Bamba as well, and they were interchanging nicely. They were—they were great combinations together, but they couldn't quite find the stri- striker in front of them. Well, either one of them had sort of players almost like a false nine, or or Nicolas Pepe would just play straight up front. But he do, he does seem to play better on that wider. Thing uh, wider place, and then Loic Remy didn't really quite work. He seems, in all honesty, a little bit past it. Is and, and it's sort of not quite at the level he was, and they obviously sold well Lebo- oh yes, sold Liber Matiba relatively early, which seemed like a surprise at the time because he was grabbing a few goals for Lidoga, but it must have been the only reason you can see it is exactly what it is now, which is Leao is the one that they're thinking is is the one that will be what, the one for the future, the one that they can make a good profit on because he was well thought of in, in Portugal, and he's grabbed a, a few important goals. He's, he's linked perfectly with those trio as sort of a focal point between them as the one they move all around, and uh, he's been really good, and, and someone that it's, it's certainly with Nicola Pepe. We think probably heading away in the summer f- for not just this second half of the season, but even maybe for next season. leo might be the name we we keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think he looked really good. That was it was weird, but when he came in, I think you remember that he came in. Everyone was saying this is a new wonder kid, and then at some point there was a story that it had all fallen through, and they and he was going back where he'd come from. So it was, it was great that they managed to keep hold of him. And exactly as you said, it, everyone's been talking about the sort of BB trio, but um, you know, Kony has been an important part of, the, of the, their style of play, but, but I think has contributed very little, certainly in terms of goals, and just in the pure stats of goals and assists, he's, he's nowhere near as, as high up there as, as um, Bamba and Pepe, and even Bamba scored the winner in, in the cup in, in midweek, but has also been a little bit quieter recently. And yeah, exactly. Remy has not been the player that we hope he works to so font. I didn't know much about him before and I've learned very little more about him now. Um so that yeah I, I agree that they needed someone who, who looked a little bit more reliable and a little bit more like him out now striker to to support Pepe who is a great finisher but um you know as he, as he's proving with his stats this year is also an excellent provider of goals. So I think that they, they seem to be working really well together and he looks a fantastic fight. As you said, he's just sort of starting to crank it up at the moment. But yeah, this next year he could be the main man.
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm just sort of reading up on, on reminding myself of, of that weird bit of the summer and like you say it was because that sporting much like they were from some of the other players were demanding sort of a, a compensation fee and they were asking for 45 million euros for him really and there was no wonder that he was uh, having a bit of a hold up for Lille because I know they've settled some disputes like uh, I know Rui Patricio was sorted and they're still trying to get some money from um, Atletico Madrid for Gelson Martins who might not even be on their books uh, in the near future and we might mention that in a in a brief couple of minutes, but uh, yeah, great forward that that adds something to them because, like you say, Kone doesn't grab enough goals. Bambas uh, got a little bit cold after a fiery start, and um, having someone like that in their team's gonna gonna really benefit. But let's get predictions, and I'll start with yourself on this one, Jez. What do you think the score will be? Um, it's tough
1: on form. Obviously, Lille should be um, should be the team to beat, and I do think a lot turns on the first goal and, and how Marseille's fans react and whether or not they get behind the team. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say two all draw.
0: Yeah, I, I'm feeling one-one, and it'll be interesting to see if if um, Mario Balotelli is fit enough for for this one as well. It'd be interesting if he goes straight into the lineup. I, I, I have a feeling that Rudy Garcia is the kind of manager to maybe hold him back a game or two and use him as a sort of a, maybe yeah. a substitute. In this. I
1: think he's already intimated he might not. There's lots of strange things about that transfer, but as far as I know, he's been fit, but he hasn't played for seven matches, which is a long time out. I'm guessing he's the, the type who doesn't keep uh, keep 100% fit even when he's not playing. So I think it might be a couple of matches before we see him.
0: Yeah, which is funny for a January signing. Those are the exact kind of players you want to hit the ground running if you want to make a difference in there. My might take a little while. So hold on. Of, it's funny that sorry,
1: keep It's funny that you know William Vanker, in order to join Monaco, said that he wouldn't. He was happy not to get paid until he played. Whereas Banner telling there's stories that he's going to
0: get paid extra if he turns up for training. <laughs> <laughs> That's a uh, kind of symbolic of the player they're getting I think, more than anything. This is, uh, one thing it promises to be is an explosive one way or the other, which um, yeah, um, we'll, 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 us neutrals will enjoy, but maybe low-end fans will, will maybe not enjoy the rides or the, the heart attacks to come. At least anyway. Um, <laughs> on to uh, the real relegation six-pointer because we've we've talked about Monaco plenty. Um, today really and in fact our own web uh, Twitter feed are, are doing plenty on it now so do keep your eyes on it over the evening because there is extra bits like, such as a, an unnamed Monaco player saying a couple of games ago um, Ray yelled he's supposed to be worth 10 million euro the, tires, the, the entire sub bench heard the, late, the, the message he was sending to the players was very negative which is not entirely surprising, but but uh, sort of focusing more on their opponents, really, to start off with. Um, Jez, Dijon, mm-hmm. a, a good result in midweek at least, anyway, showing that they can score goals on the Cumbwares as, as, as often as they could in the D'Auglio as well. But as much as we mentioned, this is an important game for Monaco. It's a massive game for Dijon as well, because a win here, if they can get it, and they can be pretty dangerous at home in the, the new management, they have been a little bit better as well. A win here, propels them up to 16th with a little bit of a gap and whoa, a five point gap above Monaco and where the automatic places would be so it's, it's absolutely massive for them as well.
1: Yeah it's a huge incentive to get a result here and um, even with the, the new manager balance it hasn't been that impressive so far and the only two wins recently have been, have been in the cup um, but a 6-3 win at Saint-Etienne is a, is a huge fillip for them and and you know, going back home straight away after that, they've got to feel very confident. City who's um, fantastic on his day, but, but quite a mercurial player, players coming off that match with a hat trick, so he's going to be, in, you'd think, in, in sort of top form. So, you know, maybe Ori will be grateful when come come Saturday night. He, he wasn't on the bench for this one because, as he said, there's a very good chance that that Dijon Will, will pull away from Monaco after this match. Um, Henri said something interesting about, about Dijon in his press conference today, which, by the way, again, very strange that he had a press conference and then was fired, which again suggests that it might be something to do with what he said in the conference about ditching some players. But anyway, he said that, you know, under D'Aulieu, that they were very much, Dijon were very much a uh, keep the ball on the ground and passing team. And under Comboire, it's very much sort of, up front and, and hoofed up to him which maybe is a little bit ungenerous but um, it's not a completely unreasonable thing to say and it's not a completely unreasonable thing to do when you're fighting at the bottom of the table um, and if they if they play like that then the way that players like Blick and Jemison have performed this season I think they really could be bullied um, on Saturday night and um, Passy, I think is a is a good defensive coach, but I think he's got he has got his work cut out to to, to try to keep Dijon out.
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely, with with teams closing in around him. And just to sort of add to this, Terry, I mean there's a great piece with a couple of sources that have been contacted by uh, Goal France, at least anyway, for, from some anonymous sources that they're saying he would speak badly to his players as well. Um, he would also make an example of people and that annoyed a lot of them, um, giving his haughty oppression as if he would not consider anyone else's opinion. So uh, I suppose it doesn't really completely surprise you with the, the way that Thierry Henry is sort of uh, giving his body language in games, his his spats of the sideline the the bits in the in press conferences from from dragging out his players to to the, the moment we had earlier this season with badis as well, it's, it all seems to piece together, but there'll be plenty more coming out in the next couple of days. And it's a big game for Monaco to show that their players are all worth a damn. If, if they lose this game, it really puts them the cat amongst the pigeons, really, as this uh, season starts to head into the sort of final third, at least anyway. And Jess, let's get some predictions on this one then. I'll start this time. And I have a feeling that uh, might be just the kick-up the backside Monaco need. Um, uh, maybe a 2-1 win away to a, a Dijon side that, yeah, you just feel like, it, unfortunately for them, a couple of injuries, a couple of players not quite playing at the level they did last season has sort of killed them off, unfortunately, because they're not quite as strong defensively, really, as well, to, to be able to manage up with it, really, if they're attacking intent, at least. Uh, Jez, what do you think the score will be? Um, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm doing this based on
1: recent results or what, I think that, that 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 Dijon win at Saint-Etienne has got to be a huge boost for them, boost their competence. and uh, I, I almost feel Henri deserves a little bit of mercy and I think it would almost be too painful if, if Monaco bounced straight back with a win after getting rid of him. Um, so I'm not sure if that's kind of leading me um, but I'm going to go for a 2-1 Dijon win.
0: It's going to be. I think that's the game to try and stick on your TVs this weekend, ladies and gentlemen, because that, that it just has the feeling that it's going to be big one way or the other for, for either of those teams. Uh, on to a game that kind of not spoken about either of these teams really um, since the turn of the year, and that's Montpellier taking on Gangon. And starting with the, the home side first with you, Jess, Montpellier, not really. <laughs> have had a pretty poor start to the 2019 at least anyway they finished with 2018 with a, a draw at Lyon which was was good in that sort of competition that they needed and, the, and then obviously a slight defeat to to Lille but they started this this January by losing to Entente they lost 2-0 to Nantes and um, they drew 1-1 at Dijon and they were pretty poor in a drab result against Rennes. It they're really not sort of kick-started we were all positive about their team and their their goal-scoring prowess but four games with one goal and one of those games against a, a sort of very low tier side it, it, alarm bells are a little bit ringing that while they're while they'll be completely away from relegation because of the first half of the season but they're going to slip away from european competition aren't they if they're not careful
1: it feels like the, lo- the last few years they've had kind of Each season has been a sort of season of two halves where they've had very strong periods and very poor periods. And I don't know if it's that a few of their players are kind of like that as well. And um, Delors, throughout his career, has had real purple patches and then um, the other periods where he's gone completely missing. La Borde I've always liked, but at Bordeaux he wasn't really prolific enough and, and it was a pleasant surprise that he was... He was getting into the goals so much having joined them for the air. So maybe with, with hindsight you can say that there was always a chance that, that they would drop off a little. And they're still not conceding many, but as long as they're not scoring at the other end and they don't need to concede many to turn those turn those wins into to draws or defeats, that's the problem. So they definitely need those attacking players to fire again. And um, based on Ren's recent form, holding them away from home I think actually is a pretty good result. But off that, they they need to pick up wins again and at home too. Um, I think it's calm that you'd expect them to. They really should be winning that, and, you know, getting back to winning ways. Um, and still, I think it's not it's not impossible that they could still um, qualify for Europe. But you kind of think that enough of the teams around them are going to maintain enough form to stay up there, so. Um, more clearly I have to hope that this is their their sort of one poor period of form and that they can get back to get back to their form of earlier in the season and maintain that for the rest of the
0: season absolutely and they come up against a, a coal side that Probably best described as meh or bleh, maybe or something (laughs) like that. Just every time you watch a con game at the moment, you can never quite predict which team's going to turn up. But most of the time, it's a pretty drab one. And when it doesn't, and then they have a spurt of something exciting, like the the start of the season, they uh, drew two and, and lost pretty heavily to Paris Saint Germain. But who doesn't? And then had a really great game against Dijon and played really well against Lyon the next game. And they dipped a little bit and then they beat Amiens. And then they went forever without winning again. And they had that little spurt just before Christmas where they drew two games 2-2 and beat Toulouse 2-1 as well. And you thought, OK, maybe they are, are putting up to some results. And then January at the same time, while they've lost 1-0 to Marseille and, and 3-1 to Lille, to which is not exactly outside the wheelhouse, but both the games are at home. And both times, it never felt like they were really in the game, really. I think the Marseille game, they were pretty lucky not to, to have been bid. D- Beaten by more and didn't really cause any problems at the other end. Uh, and against Lille, 3-1 looks a little bit more flattering because Casimir Ninga scored in the the very last couple of seconds. Really, it was they were never really in in the game, to be fair. And they've they've spent not really spent a lot of money, but they've got a lot of players with with league and experience. They've got Claudio Bovu, Yasin Bamu, Enzo Crivelli, Casemiro uh, Ninga. It's almost like a a, a shopping list of, of sort of journeyman league and forwards really, and none of them really can seem to score consistently. Uh, even Bovu who, who has previously done pretty well especially at Gangon, he had that purple patch just as he started really where he grabbed a couple of goals but has gone very silent since really. He grabbed two in weeks, for, uh, one in week four, one in week five and he grabbed a goal in, in the game against Angers in week 15 and since then he's it's been relatively quiet and they just need someone consistently scoring goals but this happens every. It's very similar to, like you said about Montpellier, that they sort of have half seasons almost. Can almost have like moments where they they go on a couple of a little game run where they start to just about get out of contention for relegation and then slowly drop back in. But it, it just feels like mm-hmm. that your luck only lasts so long in in any division, really. In the this next sort of run of games for them, February they've got Amiens, Nantes. Strasbourg and Toulouse after this Montpellier game, and then you look at the games. March is Paris Saint Germain, Rennes, Saint Etienne, Monaco, and you start to feel then, especially if Monaco have turned things around by by late March, which is you know not out of the realms of possibility at least. Anyway, that they might be again sort of dipping into the relegation form, and they just never have enough to pull away, but always have enough to keep you wanting, thinking that they they. Every time you think that Khan are going to be one of the teams relegated or in this battle, they just pull themselves out enough to go, oh, maybe not. And then they push themselves back into the fray of it. And it just feels like maybe this season might be the one where Con maybe don't rescue themselves. Maybe Dijon pick up a couple of wins. Maybe Monaco get back on the horse. And then if, if anything like that happens, it is straight away turns back on its head. If Amion pick up a nice result, maybe you hear there and everywhere, it, it changes very, very quickly for them. And uh, with that in mind, Jez, what do you think the score will be in this one? I mean, it's it's a difficult one to pick with two teams out of form, really, But uh, uh, and maybe not one to catch on your TV set for at two o'clock on Sunday <laughs> afternoon. But uh, an interesting one for, for both teams, a, a little bit of a January crossroad.
1: Yeah, I think describing Kant as mayor is probably the best description of them going. <laughs> um, they're just, yeah, every, every season, when it comes to the end of the season, you think, how, how are they still in, in with a chance of survival? I don't actually remember them doing anything. I don't remember them going on any runs. I don't remember them actually winning any matches, but somehow they accumulate the points to, to be up there and somehow you know, the last two seasons, they were some, some would say controversial results against PSG both times to, 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 to save them. Um, I haven't looked at their fixtures, but I don't, as you said, so they've got PSG coming next month, so then they don't have them to save for the last match of the season this year. Um, I, yeah, on paper, I would say that certainly Dijon and Monaco, and probably Gangan as well, are, are stronger teams. And uh, I, did, well, I was going to say, a fear for Karl, but I think, as you said, it's, it's not a very nice thing to say, but it does feel like maybe it's time. They run out of chances. I'm not sure what they bring to the division in particular. Um, they, and, yeah, again, as you said, the next five matches you feel are pretty crucial because they go on a tough run after that. And once they get, come through those matches, it might be a little bit too late. So I really think they, yeah, they need to somehow get a decent order of points from the next few. But I'm not sure it's going to be on Saturday because, as 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 patchy as Montpellier's recent form has been, they're still strong in defence, and I'm just not sure that. uh, Again, put it very nicely that that collection of German strikers um, are are up to it, and. I think if Montpellier are even close to the top of their game they're certainly not going to concede and they should have enough quality to, to come up with a, with a goal or two so I'm going for a 2-0 Montpellier
0: yeah, I'm thinking the exact same route, Jez. It feels like a, a, a nice sort of game for Montpellier to fall into after a, a couple of tough results. And and uh, uh, sorry, anyone who does support Com, but they do feel like the sort of cockroach of, of league football that just <laughs> we can never quite swat away or, or make something change about them. If they, if they were just a little bit more entertaining, but look at some of the teams further up. Look at what they're doing. At least. Uh, we'll finish tonight on the, the final game. Of the weekend because uh, the not fixture has been moved into to midweek with uh, obviously uh, with the obvious reasons against Saint Etienne. So Paris Saint Germain will be closing out the weekend against uh, Rennes, and PSG are starting to look towards um, Champions League football, given that they're thirteen points ahead and they've got two games in hand, which will come in the next couple of weeks as well. So they're, they're pretty handy in that department. Jez. but uh, the worries are starting to build ahead of that. Champions League game, not necessarily because of the quality of Manchester United, who have been better form, at least, while Jose Mourinho has gone out of the door. Um, But injuries are starting to maybe have an effect. Marco Verratti will likely be out for that game. Neymar, um, it's a little bit inconclusive of how long he'll be out now, but the signs are that these metatarsal injuries are more positive than it was um, about a season or so ago. Um, But... (laughs) it's a difficult one for them to balance now because especially with that Verratti injury and no one coming in and Frankie de Jong now confirmed to be going to Barcelona as well, uh, kind of need mid cover, midfield cover Well, yesterday, really.
1: Um, yeah, it feels, again, like a bit of a broken record It's something you've been saying for, for a couple of years. and Again, overall, in Liga, it's not going to matter too much because there's enough quality elsewhere and they will still... Even if they do concede because of the lack of midfield, they they're going to more often than not outscore their position. But um, it's not the three easiest matches coming into the Man United match. you have got Ren at home this weekend, then away to Lyon, then um, uh, home to Bordeaux. Um, and certainly for the United match, you do wonder where the midfielders are going to come from. Um, it looks like Poedes is going to come in, and there's, there's constant rumours about Gay and or Allen and or Neagle and or Ducure, but um, I don't know how this fits in with um, FFP, and I guess that's that's a separate question. Um, and obviously they do have an extremely good midfielder as well, who's rotting away in the reserves. Um, because they weren't paid and uh, I still think that they're, they're actually treating him pretty badly. I'm not sure he deserves it. Um, so that yeah, things aren't entirely rosy there. But just from a legal point of view, as we saw, I guess last weekend, they're still so far ahead of everyone else that you think it shouldn't have too much effect on them domestically.
0: And that, that's the interesting thing as well about the, the De Jong news as well, obviously him choosing Barcelona over Paris Saint-Germain. It's the interesting thing of maybe, does that leave Rabiot in a, a bit of a different situation now? Have they got the 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 wages that he's demanding spare enough with our tour there, with Rakitic still there, with De Jong coming in the summer, with Buschgetts likely to still be staying there, obviously, but maybe um, having more of a limit, um, a more separated role, at least anyway, with with the young coming in as well it, it does start to maybe question his future as well at least anyway and then maybe he's thinking or maybe i might have to change my mind and show the second half of the season i can do something at psg and get move at least somewhere because he sort of burned the bridge and and they made it a lot more difficult himself and burned the bridge to to spurs with his comments you you may think potentially at least anyway unless he he comes crawling back it, it does start to um, expand out there because as well the, uh, that's the thing for anyone who's a neutral at least anyways that the, the fixture between Man United and Paris Saint Germain looks tasty by the moment because yes Neymar might be out for it but the fact that Verratti out for it, it does diminish the quality but at the same time at the moment the midfield looks like it'll probably be Draxler and Marquinhos one defender and one attacking midfielder you might as well express so playing almost without any recognised regular midfielders makes it even more of an attacking game which uh, we were hoping for in the first place so maybe keep your eyes on that one uh, should uh, Paris Saint-Germain not really bring anyone in before that that deadline but they, they come against a a Ren side that have caused them problems in the past, but they've kind of run themselves again, haven't they? Just in really, <laughs> recent weeks is maybe the best way to, to describe it really. Since the, the turn of the break, we were saying how great they were doing and, and and I'm sure Rich was flying on cloud nine. And even after the turn, they, they, they uh, uh, won their cup game, but then lost against Monaco in the quarterfinals, of the Coupe de Ligue. They won the Breton Derby, but then, Gamgomp was poor. They didn't really create much of of significance against Montpellier unless it was at the feet of Hatem Ben Arfa, which is not the kind of thing you want to be relying on too much. But at the same time, they they seem to have slowly regressed into their shells a little bit. Saar's not quite as consistent. Um, They don't look as as threatening when it's, again, not at Hatem Ben Arfa's team. I think a few teams are starting to figure out how to defend against them. Uh, Sibacho is not quite sort of continued he scored that goal but just before the winter break but never really sort of continued that form he's still struggling the defense still looks okay but at the same time it it feels like really that they're starting to let slip because now they're in the sort of mid-table places and while a a win anywhere really just for them will push them back up the table It, it feels yet again like aren't quite where they want them to be. And Stefan's maybe, at the moment, while he's he's certainly favourite to get the job and he's done a good job so far, it's more like he's trying to figure out what will be best for them for for next season or for, for that the potential of a Europa League run. Yeah, it's, it's
1: bizarre because the, on recent... When they were sort of coming to the end of that very good run, everyone was sort of saying, you know, they're the outside chance for maybe even Champions League or certainly Europa, and they are still still up there, but no one really was talking about Nîmes, for example, in those terms, and they're now only one point behind them. We've talked about Marseille and terrible crisis there, but they're still ahead of them as well. And Even Nice, who really are not having a very exciting season, and, and the fans are annoyed enough that they sort of stormed the, the training ground today with their complaints, and they're even ahead of them. So, it's very weird, I and mean, a lot, so much of how we feel about all these clubs, I think, is reflected by expectations. And Ren, you're never really sure about what their expectations are, what their fans' expectations are. It always seems like they should be doing better, and it feels like the fans know that they should be doing better, but they've kind of developed a real sort of gallows humour when when they do badly. So you're (laughs) never sure whether they're joking or not, when they're complaining about their team, or whether they're genuinely annoyed that they're underachieving. and yes, it's it's kind of difficult to tell exactly where where they're at right now. And they did have that fantastic run. and I don't think there's any doubt that as as much as I like the the Rushi, it did seem like something had that, that gone gone wrong or sort of stalled there a little bit. And I, I do think that's partly because they they seem to change coaches a little bit too often, which was the case Monaco as well. And um, that no one gets a chance really to to put down any roots and show some stability. But when Stefan came in, he did what, to be fair, LaNouchie did when he came in, and he immediately sort of roused the players, got a few of them playing to the top of their form, and the question is whether they can they can maintain that over a longer period. Um, we've spoken before about how all the, all the talk coming out of the club is that everyone on doors, you know, Stefan has got Know, from of the reserves and a bit with the youth players that he has got a very good relationship with them if all of that is true then you would expect them maybe to play um play up a bit for him but that's only going to take you so far for so long And even during that that run i i did always feel a little bit it's that it wasn't the hardest run, and maybe it was not flattering but um they hadn't yet really been tested, and we needed to see what would happen when they were tested, when they came up against better players, and, and when they came off a couple of poor results. And I think that's going to happen now. And you know, maybe the way to PSG is a sort of free hit. But there's a couple of big matches after that. They've got ania next, but then they're, they're at home to Santetia, and they've got um, the two matches against Real Betis in the Cup. Visiting Rance and that easy, and then Marseille. You know, who knows what position they'll be at by then. And then a way to to who we spoke about earlier. And I don't know what what difference the difference between the two, two clubs then. So I actually think that um, you know maybe it's in sort of a month or six weeks or so that we can much better judge what 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 um, shooting Stefan has done. And, um, yeah, it, it's he definitely passed the first tests that came up with that great run, but now is now is when we really get to see. I think what what he's made of and also to be fair what his players are made of Um players like Ismail and and Ben Arthur they're the type that when things are going well they can really sort of express themselves and, and turn on all the tricks and the skills but it's when you need to sort of get I guess down and dirty against teams that aren't as you said aren't going to take that kind of thing and know how to defend against them are they able to, to adapt their style of play and and you know, really knuckle down to, to to get results, even if it's not necessarily doing it with spectacular goals or dribbles or
0: that kind of thing. And it always feels like Renner two or three players away from being a really good team that can compete on these kind of levels and make them because they've got they've got great foundations there. I think, I think they've they've got uh, several relatively decent keepers really they they can sort of pick between a few of them that do a, a good job they've got uh, D- Damian De Silva who I've always thought has been a good league center back they've got yeah. great midfielders really when you think of Benjamin Andre and Borije on his day as well and and uh, you, then you like you've already mentioned Saran and Hatem are definitely some a little bit of a sprinkle of gold dust that you you can you can have on your team that can really transform a game it just feels like if they maybe get one or two players in positions that they can keep that they can hold together that squad for a season. That could, and that's sort of the job Stefan has now, isn't it? He's is, is trying to see who's worthy enough to sort of stay in the squad for, for next season and identify areas where he can maybe place one or two players and they would be, not just a Europa League side, but you, you maybe even think that with those kind of players in your team, you is not far fetched to say that they could be Champions League chasers. Where if it was maybe the summer, Leon has a bit of an Exodus, maybe, or or Marseille in the current form they are, and obviously Monaco with them, it's not out of the realms of possibility that they could be challenging for those places if they make the right decisions, and that's going to be an important thing for Stefan to prove. Sorry, Jess, go on.
1: Yeah, no, I think I mean that's that's all sort of correct. I think that's always been the problem, but you know
0: saying that they're
1: sort of one or two purchases. Purchases away. The problem is that it's not for want of trying, because every summer it seems like that they have a really big overhaul and sell a lot and buy a lot. And the same as what I said about the coach, maybe they just need to keep the the sort of you know the spine of the of a squad consistent for a couple of years to give those players a chance really to 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 you know, create strong relationships feel settled at the club and and you know push on. It feels like each season they're they're changing half their team and that's always that always means that they're kind of fighting to catch up, I guess. And yeah, maybe why why they the start of the season's never quite as good and then they have got changing their manager. Um I think maybe they're a club that would just benefit from a little bit more patience all the way through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I always think that that, that sometimes there's a misconception that you need to buy five, six players during the summer and shift five, six players out because you see all the successful teams, Monaco a couple of years ago. It, even you can argue Liverpool this season. It, two or three good, solid signings, they increase your squad and keep everyone on board. You'd be surprised how much of a difference it can make to your team. Really, and uh, it would be nicer if some of some of these mid-table sides don't go over these big overhauls if they can afford to do it. Which Unlike a lot of other teams in Liga, uh, Renault are in the financial position to do it, but they're probably going to get hammered at the weekend. Really, let's be <laughs> honest. Is it Paris Saint Germain looked pretty dangerous last weekend? They they've they're fighting fit. Most of well, the the strikers are at least other than Neymar, they're at least all firing. They don't really need one of them, all of them there. And I think a 3-0 victory is is going to be a pretty comfortable one heading into a, the next couple of games for them. Jez, what do you think?
1: Um, I I was thinking. 3-1, I think they'll be quite comfortable, but I think they'll sort of maybe get an early lead and then sort of um, put the brakes on. I think you know, what's, what's happened to Verratti and Omar might, might make them a little bit nervous about, about more injuries. So I think they'll, they'll try to save the game up as much as possible and and maybe try to not close up shop, but you know, possibly take, take a couple of important players off and maybe when we get back and get a consolation.
0: Yeah, and I think it's going to change some minds on on some other rumours that English fans are hearing about and Kunku possibly going on loan to Arsenal. I think that's probably with Timothy away, away already. I think that's probably dead in the water with Neymar's injury as well. So uh, maybe they might have to look elsewhere. But that's all that we've got for this week. My thanks to Jez and all of you listening at home. Uh, do join us for the main show again on Monday. But for now, enjoy your weekend of football.